We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. On this episode of Drinks with Binks, we're still working from home, aka the room that is also my bedroom, living room, dining room, and kitchen. But we've been fortunate enough to have a number of fantastic guests during this time. I mean, it is harder for people to blow you off when all they have to do is click a link from the comfort of their own bed. But people have been really open and honest with their feelings. And this week's conversation is a prime example of that. I've talked with former NHL hockey player and current NBC Sports MSG Networks analyst Anson Carter for months about coming on this show. And this week, it felt like a poignant time to have him come on, share his thoughts about protesting for racial equality, having tough conversations with those in the hockey community, and ultimately trying to figure out what we can do to make hockey a more inclusive and accessible sport for black players. I encourage you all to listen. You'll be better off for having done so. Welcome on into Drinks with Binks. I'm Julie Stewart-Binks. We're still staying home to stay safe during the coronavirus pandemic. And it's been about three months that we've been working remotely, as evidenced by the emergence of my natural hair color. Had no idea that it looked like that. Now, it's annoying that you can't get your hair done or that you can't get your nails done or go to a bar with your friends. But we're also realizing that so many people in this country and the world haven't had equality based on the color of their skin. And in the wake of the murder of George Floyd and the powerful protests that have gone on, around the country, there has been a huge movement, energy, um, a revolution in the face of racial inequality for social justice and for police brutality to be accountable and to be changed. And so we want to be able to continue our part here on the show, keeping that conversation going. And especially as today is Juneteenth, we want to have that conversation with someone that is a friend of mine, but also someone who's been very vocal in this sphere. And with that, I would like to welcome Welcome in former NHL hockey player, current NBC sports analyst and MSG Networks analyst Anson Carter. Anson, thank you so much for coming on the show here today. We know that it has been, uh, you know, a heavy couple of weeks. How has it been for you? Yeah, it's been crazy, Julian. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. You know, when we booked the show, we talked about this for a while because our schedules are so crazy. Who would have thought we'd have so much to talk about when I finally was able to join you? Uh, down here in Atlanta has been uh, next level. 
know, you have Richard Brooks getting killed recently by the Atlanta Police Department. Uh, you have the protests from George Floyd. And I think it's just a perfect storm right now when you're talking about social justice, Black Lives Matter, uh, people having people's attention. Like, there's no sports right now, and people are itching to get out of their house. And we're the first state to open up um, out of all the states here in the U.S. So I think it was just that energy that was bubbling underneath. And this is one thing that got people you know, going, and now we've got something to focus on besides the coronavirus. Right. And for you, you've been a, a very active voice in this regard. And you were also, I saw on your Instagram, protesting uh, for Black Lives Matter. What is what is sort of like your personal involvement been like through all this? You know, it's important for me to get involved because I'm black. You know, I live it 24-7. And it's something that myself and my black friends have been talking about for a long time. And now we're seeing... Uh, white people getting involved. And you keep hearing people talk about allyship. Well, that's important. Like, we don't want white folks to come out thinking we're going to be this white knight, no pun intended, on a horse and save the black race. Like, that's not what this is all about. It's about people working together in partnership. And you pick however you want to protest. You either have conversations one on one, like we're having right now, or you could post things online, or you could participate in, in a march. And I did that with my family. I try to separate my family life from my professional life, but it was important for my wife and my kids to be involved in something like this uh, because you're never too young to have these conversations about race. And I want to talk about your family in just a second and what they've helped you with on a project that's gained some viral steam. But first, as the moniker of the show is drinks with thanks, what <laughs> you, you decided on today's drink, what do we got? A little LaCroix. LaCroix, LaCroix depends if you're French Canadian, yeah, Francophone, or an Anglophone. <laughs> I love sparkling water. I mean, I've acquired that taste as I've gotten older. I just went for my daily six mile walk, so I have to rehydrate. So I like the bubbles. It's great. All right. Cheers. We'll take a little sip. Cheers. <laughs> It it's got to be cold, though. It can't be room temperature. It's got to be oh, cold. Oh, gosh, no. A room temperature sparkling water is a nightmare. <laughs> but this is good. You know, we, we don't have to drink to be able to have fun, which is mm -hmm. sort of uh, different from, I think, even the last time we worked together when we were hosting the casino night, we had we had a drink when we were finished our work, of course. Yes, of course. But, uh, you know, we frequented many different bars in New York City, which of course we can't go to right now during the coronavirus pandemic. And when we get back though to your family, you're in Atlanta, you mentioned you, your daughters and people that you've been marching with. You guys also came up with a video. You don't have to look like George Floyd. 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 To understand that what happened to him was wrong. What's wrong? 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 Watching this, you you're able to get so many big names involved. What's been the response? 
It's been great. Uh, you know, you never, you're nervous because whenever you hit send with anything with social media, you never know how it's going to be received. And I really didn't really care that much because I believed in what I was putting out. And I want to say something. Um, I want to make a statement. I didn't want to put anything out in writing because I see people's statements all the time. And I'm like, you didn't really write that. A PR company wrote that or your agent wrote that or a lawyer wrote that. And I don't want anyone questioning whether or not that was my voice behind the message that was being said. And as it became bigger, I decided to include more players and get their voices. And every single player that I asked, there was no hesitation. Like Sidney Crosby, ace, I'm in. Patrick Kane, I'm in. And Sid's probably one of the best players ever played the game. Patrick Kane probably is going to go down as the best American player to play in the game. Uh, Gary Bettman, the commissioner, Don Fair, um, the executive director of the National Hawkins Players Association. But it wasn't just limited to just the men. It was women, too. Angela James, Hall of Famer. A.J. Malesko, Olympic gold medalist. Uh, Kelsey Kelzer, first overall draft pick in NWHL, uh, Isabel Cup champion. So I didn't want anyone to say, you know what, Anson? That video is great, but you're missing this person or you're missing that person or you just have like third or fourth line grinders. I want to have influential people to be part of that so that we can make a statement collectively because hockey is the ultimate team sport. Yeah, and you, as you mentioned it, you really did have everyone. Willie O'Ree, the first ever black NHL player, and so many other people from different countries, right, too? Because as we've discussed, you, you and I are both Canadian, and so many people think this is an American issue, but this is an, a completely worldwide issue. And for your daughters to be involved in this video with you, what, what have been like the conversations that you've had with them around this topic? Well, that's what's made it more special because, yeah, you're right. I am Canadian, but also U.S. too. So I've got that dual citizenship. So living here now as an American and taking that oath, I feel like it's important for me to say something. Like If I could vote in this country, it's important to have a say with how your kids are being raised. And like I said before, you're, you're never too young to start talking about these issues. And it was important. Like my daughter, Malia, my youngest one, who you see second in the video, it was her idea. I was fumbling around on my phone. <laughs> I had iMovie going. I was all thumbs. And my oldest daughter, Michaela, said, Dad, give me that. And it was 3 o'clock in the morning. Yeah, I'm embarrassed to say it. My kids were still up playing Fortnite with their cousins in Rhode Island at 3 a.m. And they edited the video for me. And then Malia said, Dad, I want to be in it. And she thought it, I thought it was a joke at first. And my oldest daughter said, Malia, what are you doing? Only hockey people are in there. Adults are in there. So I was going to include them and have it just as a family edition. But the more I watched it, I said, you know what? No. I'm putting you guys in this video because I've always said I'm not going to ask current NHL players to stick their necks out there to do something I wouldn't ask my own kids to do. And I want other people to see that it's okay to have these conversations. Malia's going to be 12 this year. Michaela just turned 14. So they're not like they're 18 or 19 years old. One's now going into high school. The other one's still in middle school. And those conversations have been great so far. Well, that's good. And, I mean, the fact that you put this video out there, it, it – you see a lot of these NHL players and, and people within hockey discussing this. What has been maybe the response that you've received from maybe white players, just your, your white peers about what you've done? It's been amazing. A lot of people, players, media personalities, general managers, even owners um, said to me, Anson, you're thinking about doing anything else in the future? Please don't be afraid to reach out to me. I'd love to be a part of it. And that was Amazing. I was blown away. Like I wasn't expecting to hear that. I mean, you have the odd troll out there that would say, whatever you guys, that doesn't make sense. Stick to hockey. Well, it's not just a hockey issue. This is a real life issue. But within the hockey community, I think people now feel safe and secure with being able to speak up 
after seeing all these prominent voices in this video, now it's okay. You know, sometimes it takes that strong, special person to take that first step. And that's why I didn't want to just have this one person in that video. I had a group of people in that video so everyone could feel secure within the group and not stick their neck out by themselves because it's not an easy thing to talk about, but it's an important thing to talk about. Right. It's not an easy thing to talk about. And then especially within hockey, that is so much of a we before me mentality where no one really ever says anything that is their opinion. And that is something I want to discuss when we come back after this break. We've got Anson Carter here, former NHL player, analyst for NBC and MSG Networks on Drinks with Banks. Don't go anywhere. Hi, I'm Roman Rojas, and on the first episode of the Roman Rojas podcast, I talked to my friend Danilo Alvarez about how a night of fun and partying in Cali, Colombia, ended up with him being kidnapped, along with his girlfriend Geraldine, and how they were able to get out of this horrible situation. Join me every week in my conversations with people that have incredible stories to tell. Subscribe to the Roman Rojas podcast on iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite platform. Hey everyone, welcome on back to Drinks with Thinks. I'm JSB. We've got former NHL player, current NBC and MSG Networks analyst Anson Carter with us here today. We're sipping on a little LaCroix sparkling water, and we sort of joked that uh, I don't know if many Americans say LaCroix because it is very French Canadian. <laughs> Whenever I see this, I'm like, everyone's pronouncing it wrong. <laughs> I almost sent you a bill for my laptop. I almost spit out my water all over my laptop. <laughs> I almost sent drinks of Binks my bill after my <laughs> short-circuited just now. <laughs> oh, well, I'm glad my work here is done and we're not even having any alcohol whatsoever. So, um, But it is good. We're, we're having a great conversation so far about really a lot of change that has to happen in this country and beyond in terms of racism that has permeated society and hockey is what we're talking about. And for you, Anson, I, I'm just curious. You know, when we, we look at the lack of representation of black hockey players for you when you started playing hockey what was that like like what got you involved in the sport and maybe who did you look up to well i grew up in toronto well more specifically scarborough and scarborough is probably the most diverse part of the city of toronto and i think toronto is probably the most diverse city in north america uh without a doubt and we all played hockey it didn't matter what color you were like white black brown Asian, didn't really matter. We all played hockey, male, female. Even at school, we played foot hockey at recess with a tennis ball or a puck, uh, street hockey after school. I always had another black player on my team, Michael Henry. Um, I had Barrington Miller, Aaron Johnson, Richard Reary. And there was not a shortage like Kevin Weeks, Jamal Mayers. Uh, we all played together. So it wasn't until we got to high school that hockey became a quote-unquote white sport. And that always amazed me because I played basketball, I played baseball, and those weren't really seen as white sports. But I thought it was weird that people thought hockey was a white sport because they didn't see other players that looked like them playing at the highest level. Right. And then, of course, from high school and then you played Michigan State and you know, you're drafted in the NHL. And just going through the numbers and some of these, you know, depending on sort of like what you look at, there, there, I mean, the biggest thing is there hasn't been a whole lot of black hockey players. Been mm -hmm. around 100 in total, really, since Willie O'Ree came into the scene in 1957. When you end up playing in the league, 
and you don't see a lot of people that look like you, what does that feel like? It didn't really phase me. Like, and it's funny, I was talking to my mom about this the other day. Uh, maybe I'm just a special, unique individual because it didn't phase me. My mom said, not everyone thinks like you, Anson. Like some people walk into a room, if there isn't someone that looks like them, they might feel uncomfortable. And myself personally, I didn't really care. Like I'd walk into a room, there's no other black people. And it didn't upset how I felt. Like I felt comfortable walking in that same room. I could walk into a room full of black people, full of Indian people, full of white people, like Hispanic people. It didn't really matter to me. But I didn't realize that not everyone's wired that way. Because I thought it was weird that my other friends would fall off and say, I'm not playing hockey anymore because there is enough of us playing. And I could care less. And maybe because my mom said I'm really stubborn, and that's probably true. Like I kind of beat my own drum. And it doesn't really matter what other people think or say. And it, and it hasn't, and it never did. I'd walk into a locker room, and I could care less if everyone looked like me or not. As long as they love the game of hockey, that's all that I cared about. And if you didn't love the game of hockey, I had a problem with you. Well, that's really impressive that, you know, you – you didn't have you didn't have sort of that that feeling because as you mentioned some of your your peers dropped out of the sport because mm -hmm. of that which is really unfortunate and i was listening to you on the our line starts podcast mm -hmm. and you were discussing you and jamal Mayers were discussing hockey culture and hockey culture in the locker room is unique and for people who have never been in a locker room or have never been in an nhl locker room or whatever level what's it like it's anything goes. <laughs> you cannot have thin skin being in an NHL locker room. Like anything really goes. Like and nothing is off limits. Like it's really a brotherhood. Like when you think about how you grew up with like a brother or sister in your own household and you could joke about anything or rip on something about anything, how they look, how they feel, like anything like that. Like that's what a hockey team was all about. You're supposed to just everyone get along because you're going into battle together on the ice. We usually hung out with each other 24-7 off the ice too. So there's some things that people might get offended by that are said in the locker room that's just like, oh, that's just my teammate, we're just talking. But now we're kind of understanding that some things are off limits. And that's what other players understood when I played on those teams, that we could joke about certain things, but you're not gonna cross that line because I wasn't that guy to let it slide. Like we we're gonna have a problem. Right, and, and you mentioned the idea of, you know, locker rooms being a bit archaic and sort of maybe the stereotypes and the razzing that would happen. This isn't even to mention the the abuse that we've heard many players go through, but just even the conversations, the microaggressions. Mm -hmm. How prominent do you think that that is in locker rooms? It happens all the time. I mean, it happens in, in real life. A lot of times, like especially when I had my dreads, people would be like, can I touch your dreads? Or I had a general manager tell me to cut my hair. <laughs> and I looked at him, I was like, cut my hair? Yeah, <laughs> that's going to happen. Like, you never asked Joe Thornton to cut his hair. You never asked Yarmar Yarga to cut his hair. You never asked Ryan Smith to cut his hair. Like, you talk about hockey, you talk about the flow and hockey hair, and GM wants to ask me to cut my hair. I just laughed. I was like, come on, man. Like, you know that's not going to happen. You could trade me, but I'm not cutting my hair. Like, I'm not playing that game at all. So little things like that, or even now when I'm on television, I'd hear, wow, you don't sound black. You sound white. Like, wow, you're really well-spoken. Well, what's sounding black really mean? Like, think about that for a second. What does that really mean? Does sounding black mean not having the ability to put together a sentence? Broken English? Poor grammar? Like, what does that really mean? So when I check people like that, they take a step back. They're like, oh, I never thought I was saying it like that. And when you present people that, they change their course. So I've been doing it my whole life. Like, I'm not afraid. And my parents always say that 
like my parents joke around like Anthony, you're so ignorant sometimes that we laugh it's a saying that we say in barbados but hey i'm stubborn and if i got a problem i'll let you know that's the thing about me you know where you stand either way and i appreciate that with other people too like i never like the gray area i prefer either black or white no pun intended Right. Yeah. I mean, it's and and that is helpful then. Like you tell people, hey, that's you can't you don't say that. Like, don't say that to me. And that's that's inappropriate. And I got to ask you, though, what team, what general manager was it that wanted you to cut your hair? I don't want to out the guy just yet. <laughs> but we'll just leave it. He was an NHL general manager. And the important thing there is I never listened to him. Like maybe maybe one day I'll tell that story, but I never listened to him. I was like. Yeah, it's not going to happen. Like you clearly saw over the course of my career, I had dreads the whole time. So I wasn't listening. Like, and I would never listen. You knew I had dreads and you traded for me. So don't act like all of a sudden my hair is a problem. Like, I don't want to hear about it because I mentioned those other players before. Like you look at the players around the league. Hockey hair was always a thing. Of course. And again, Ryan Smith always had the flow going. Joe Thorpe, when he first came in the league, known for his flow. Yarmar Yager, same thing. Even Wayne Gretzky had the hockey hair back in the day. You know, business yeah. on top, party in the back. So don't tell me to come here because I've got dreads. Like, really? Come on. It's not happening. Yeah, exactly. Well, I'm glad that you, you kept the dreads because of very iconic images of you wearing the dreads. And that's part of your sort of like your on ice persona. And you look back at, at the pictures of you playing. So I'm glad that you didn't do that. And you stood up against this general manager of who we're really trying to figure out who it is and i'm sure that they are shaking in their boots right now hoping that you don't out their name but um, i played a lot of teams so there's a lot of gms you got to think about <laughs> yeah well i'm sure there's a, probably a couple gms out there that are, are worried right now with how they've oh, yeah. treated you and other black players in the league of which i do want to get to later on in the show and guys we got to take a quick time out but we'll have more with anson carter um former nhl player analyst for nbc sports and msg networks when we return on drinks with thanks Geico knows there are many reasons why you ride. From the exciting adventure of the daily commute to the peace of mind that Geico always has your back with 24-7 access to claim service and legendary customer service. But Pamela Mund had one reason in particular. My skin is extremely averse to most fabrics, except for the soft, buttery feeling of leather. Thankfully, I found my clan of leather lovers in the biking community. It's been life-changing. Geico Motorcycle. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Welcome back to Drinks with Binks. I'm Julie Stewart Binks. We have Anson Carter here, former NHL hockey player, analyst on NBC Sports and MSG Networks. And we have been discussing his playing career, different experiences that he had within minor league hockey, major, junior, and beyond in terms of dealing with racism. And one of those things we were discussing is in hockey, there's a lot of we before me discussion, like Whenever I interviewed a hockey player as a sideline reporter, they would never say I or me or anything. It was always we, and it was so frustrating. You're trying to figure out a way to ask them about something about themselves. Mm -hmm. But now it seems problematic because in a world where we want people to stand up and give their opinions, especially in support of Black Lives Matter, hockey isn't a place that is um, encouraging of individualism. How would you 
change that? Like, how would you facilitate some of these hockey players, many of whom you featured in your video, but for Mm -hmm. them to to feel comfortable to stand up? Well, I think that video is a start, Julie. I I really do. I think having the people that I had in that video, male and female, and having their faces out there, that allowed the rank and file after them or below them or people that you might not know as much as you saw those faces say to themselves, well, if John Tavares could say something, if Pat Brisson, if Eustace King, um, if Blake Bolden could say something, then I could say something then. That it shouldn't be a big deal. And no one should come after me for saying the wrong thing because, look, these guys said something first. Like, so it's always hard to get someone to stick their neck out there and be the first. Being first is never easy. You're all subjected to the most criticism. And coming up after that, things are a little bit easier because you had someone walk through that door first to take that heat initially. So I think that was the first step. You're seeing more and more players. I believe there's over a couple hundred players that have signed up and started using social media since we've had this break with COVID-19, which was never the case before. So you're seeing more hockey players becoming more comfortable having their own opinion. And I think it's more important that teams are more comfortable with players speaking up and saying what they have to say. It's not going to impact and rattle the team chemistry at all if guys say something on Twitter or on Instagram or any sort of video platform they might have. Like, that's just guys speaking their mind. And this way, you're not worried about fitting your words into some other reporter's story. You're telling it the way you want to tell it right from yourself and not having anyone twist your words. Because that happens sometimes in the media business, too. Right. I mean, and and for hockey players, you don't normally see them put out statements or Instagram posts or whatnot. And I think it maybe it's because there's only a, a, a handful of hockey stars that people in the greater general sense, really know the Sidney Crosby's and the Ovechkin's. Whereas in the NBA, like you see these guys, it's so superstar driven and it's so much of their personality. So it's like encouraged to be a part of the conversation. And also that league is seemingly very in tune with social justice comparatively to other leagues. I got to ask you, though, um, and I think that this is probably a a difficult answer for you to give without a bias. But uh, the fact that the Rangers and also the Knicks, it took them a very, they decided not to put out a statement in, on this topic. Mm-hmm. And we saw that an internal email was James Dolan saying, you know, we don't feel as though we're sort of the right people to do this. And we want to have conversations and make change amongst ourselves, which is also totally valid. But their absence was very noticed until then they did put out the, uh, you know, a, a tweet or something that was it was sort of weak, really, so it, it, comparatively to everything that was going on. And it was quite late for you. And I know you are a, an employee of MSG Networks. What was it? What's it like from your perspective, seeing this company be sort of hum on it? You know what? To Believe it or not, I'm not that upset about it and i'll tell you why a lot of times when jim dolan puts out a statement it gets ripped to shreds you know he could say something and have the right meaning behind it and people there just crucify that guy crucify him and i more look towards not so much his words it's his actions you walk around the gardens like the executives there's a lot of black people working in the front offices like from new york knicks and msg so, I mean, even Steve Mills, longtime president of sports, there is general manager there. So it wasn't like Jim Dole never hired black people in that organization. So that, that's why I'm not so much like, oh, come on, like step up, guys, like do something. Because the actions for me speak more than the words because his words 
always get torn up, whether it's because of what he said, deservedly or undeservedly. So I'm more concerned with what they're doing in the Garden of Dreams. Like I know firsthand what the Garden of Dreams means. That organization, that charity, I've seen, I've talked to kids when I get in the broadcasting business. You know, 30, 40 kids come through at a, at a time. They train them. They have them work on a show. They put on a presentation at the end of the year. Uh, you have them coming to games. So I've seen with those organizations that they are totally in 100% what they do within the community. So if anyone could put out a little, you know, BS statement and have a, a PR person put that out there. So I, I'm really okay with it. And when I talk to the Rangers about Hank, Henrik Lundqvist, getting involved with what I was doing, um, John Rosasco, JR, who was all in. No, Hank was all in. JD, John Davison was all in. Like, if they had a problem, they would have shut that down right away. But they were like, Anson, nope, let's go ahead, let's do it. I'm, we're, we're 100% on board with this. So that's another reason why I'm not that concerned because I don't want to tell people when they should post and when they shouldn't post, when they should comment. I, I want people to feel comfortable whenever it's their own time to say what they want to say because – it's not about what you post, when you post it, when you say it, how much you say it. Are you too late to the party? It's when you finally say something. I want to celebrate you for actually coming out and saying something. Well, that was uh, certainly a, a, an answer from someone who works in television because you covered all different bases there <laughs> and have seemingly kept your job at MSG. So I, I understand your perspective. And uh, I understand, too, that it probably – you know, put maybe the Rangers at a difficult spot, too, because if, if everyone is waiting on one person to put out a statement, you're sort of at the mercy of them. It's a bit more complicated than maybe we understand. But if they are making changes and you talk about the Garden of Dreams Foundation and even just at a basic level of how you interact with someone else, how you look at someone else, um, those are the things that we want to be able to see. It doesn't just matter if you retweet something. So we'll have to we'll have to see what what happens in the future. But uh, I appreciate you talking about it and we got to go to break but we have a whole lot more that we want to discuss with Anson Carter including the players inclusion committee that he is a part of with the NHL and beyond this is drinks with banks we've got Anson Carter here don't go anywhere good afternoon would you like to try a free sample of our double fudge brownie oh sure mmm that's very good I'll just take one more just to be sure yep still very good some things never change, like never being able to take just one free sample. And Geico saving folks lots of money on their car insurance. Mmm, is that macadamia nut I taste? Let me take one more. Sir, mm. yeah, I thought so. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. to Drinks with Binks. I'm Julie Stewart-Binks. We've got Anson Carter here, former NHL hockey player, analyst on NBC Sports and MSG Networks. And we've been discussing a lot of the problems with racism in hockey and within America. Now, let's sort of look at what we can do going forward. And I know that that has also been a message I've seen you say in many interviews. It's not about what happened. It's about what we can do now. And one of the initiatives you're a part of is the Players Inclusion Committee that's with the NHL and with Kim Davis and Gary Bettman and Bill Daly. You said one of these statements was that you've, you know, you've discussed this many times before. You've tried to bring up these issues, but you never felt like you were heard. Mm -hmm. But now it feels different because it's literally the biggest story in the world. In what way do you feel that there can be tangible change? What does that look like with this? 
There's many different ways. I mean, I see us tackling the barriers to entry as one because hockey's not a cheap game to play. Um, I see us providing allyship uh, for other players or other minorities or people outside the game trying to get them interested in the game uh, itself. I think that's very, very important. And also just trying to grow the game, whether it's playing street hockey. I mean, that's what I started playing. I started playing street hockey first, and I was a street hockey wizard. Like, I was unreal playing street hockey as a kid in Toronto. But people kept chirping me. Well, you can't even do that on the ice. You can't even skate. And that's what drove me to play ice hockey because I could make moves and I could dangle around guys left and right, but I couldn't do it on the ice. And I love watching ice hockey, so that was the next step. And you think about how much it costs to rent ice and skates. Well, you can play street hockey anywhere. We used to have two pop cans, soda cans. We'd crush them, put them down. We'd yell, car! When a car's coming by, we'd go on the sideline, have the cars pass by. Like, we didn't have nets. We waited for guys to get a new sofa, a new couch. And when we got the new couch, the old couch, you cut the pillows in half, put shoelaces in them, and we had goalie pads. We would use a hockey glove as a blocker and a baseball glove for a catcher. Like, that's what we would use as, as goalie equipment. So all these different ideas of making the game more accessible – I believe we're able to do now being part of this players inclusion committee with the league. You never get anything done outside the league. Like they just form this alliance and I can't really speak about this alliance because I know nothing about it, but I know the committee will be partnered with the league. And as a player, my frustration for all those years was not getting the league to listen, not getting them to partner on doing anything, not seeing the upside of partnering and doing things in the minority community. But now the league gets it. Kim Davis understands tremendous ally. Bill Daly uh, now understands tremendous ally. Gary Bettman now understands great ally. When you have that in place, then I believe we have a, a great opportunity to move mountains. I really do. Right. Right. Yes, definitely. When you have those big names and you have the league support behind you, you can accomplish a lot more. But to backtrack a bit, you said, you know, you'd been bringing these issues to the forefront before, but no one was interested. What what did that look like? It was frustrating. You know, that in addition to my contract battles that I had, like I knew what was going on back then. It was a different time, too. You know, I'm not saying I'm not blaming anyone. It's just a different time. It's like when people are all of a sudden coming out of the woodwork with Black Lives Matter. Like I'm not blaming anyone for not being down for equality 20 years ago. It was just a different time. And when I said previously, like now I want to celebrate people that see it as being a wrong and see like civil liberties being something that everyone should have and equality. So I want to focus on moving forward. I don't want to feel what's in the past. Like the past is in the past. That would, that's what it was. But now I'm moving forward. So when I think back to them, yeah, it was frustrating. But I'm more energized now because now people are listening. People are motivated to do things. And that's what pumps me up more than anything. Right. And you mentioned the contract negotiations. And you've spoken about this on a couple different interviews. But you felt that race played a role in in some of those different ways in different instances. And you've talked talked about when you played with Daniel and Henrik Sedin in Vancouver. Mm-hmm. Um, in what way does it infuriate you that your race and how some of these archaic images of like what what these general managers thought of affected your NHL career? Well, it's just little things. You mentioned Danny and Hank, and I brought this up before. When I was brought there to help mentor these guys and help them take their game to the next level. And I was told, you come here, you play well. Uh, we'll talk about doing an extension. And I was coming off of making, I think, 2.8. And I signed a one-year deal, $1 million, And I thought we had a chance to win. Look at the defensive core they had. They had Sammy Sallow, Ed Jovanovsky, um, Matias Olin. Uh, we had a good goaltender in Kluche. 
Uh, we had the West Coast Express and Bertuzzi, Naslin, and Morrison up front. So I thought if I could provide some second-line scoring with Danny and Hank, we had a chance to win. And if you go back to that season, before the second half started, before the Olympics came around, we were one of the top teams in the West. But our defensive core was decimated by the Olympics. I think it was in Italy from the Olympics was. Mm-hmm. And our top three defensemen, I think um, Olin, Salo, and Jovanovski, they all got hurt. And Kluche got hurt too. And then we missed the playoffs. So I remember playing against Ottawa in December or January sometime, and people were saying this could be a Stanley Cup preview of what could possibly happen in the springtime. So you go there, you, you do your job, uh, you help the Twins take their game to the next level because they had been stalling over the course of their careers early. You know, their second and third overall draft picks. I kept hearing Sadine's sisters, Sadine's sisters. Like, they're getting killed locally in the media. Everyone said that they're, you know, busts. And I just went in there, and they're just really solid people, good kids that worked hard. And that's all I really cared about. And we worked every day. And I tried to pump them up and let them understand that this is what we have to do to be successful in this league. This is what you have to do. I've been successful already. I've scored 28 goals a couple of times. I've scored 24 goals. I've scored. You guys haven't. And they're willing to listen and be receptive to that. And we had a great year. We hit it off right from day one. So it was, it was a little frustrating for me when the contract was up and end the season. And I was named the most exciting player, the Vancouver Canucks, by the media there or the fans or someone out there to talk to my agent, Pat Brisson, and say, well, Breeze, like, let's, let's talk about contract time. Let's, let's do a three-year deal. I don't want to hit it out of the moon. Like, guys scoring 30 goals plus, we're getting three and a half, four million, five million bucks. I just come content with just doing three years, $2 million. Because I live in the West Coast. I have my house on the beach in California. I could go up and down the coast, you know, when the season starts. It was easy for me. My whole life was on the West Coast. And Breeze was like, well, I don't know, Ace. Uh, they called us about Danny and Hank. And I was like, what do you mean, Danny and Hank? I'm unrestricted free agent, and they're restricted. How is this even possible? How is it even possible? And he said, I don't know what to tell you. So they ended up signing three times three. And they came back to me, and they said, well, we got, you know, $100,000 raise, and maybe we'll do another, maybe $50,000. We want to see you do it again. Do it again. I was like, really? Do it again? So that's when I left. And it was frustrating for me because people were thinking, well, Carter asked for too much. You know, he wanted too much money. That's why he left Vancouver. No, I had too much pride. Way too much pride. I wasn't just to suck it up and play for another 1-1. I don't care what they were talking about there because you don't come at me. You don't tell me we're going to do an extension. And then I come there, I perform. It's not like I underachieve. I performed. I help your two youngest top prospects achieve what they have to achieve and you're trying to tell me I got to do it again like that was frustrating and then I laughed because the media <laughs> would always say well Carter overvalued himself Carter overvalued himself look Danny and Hank what did Carter do the following year in Columbus well I scored 14 goals in Columbus playing on a third line I must have averaged like 13 or 14 minutes so you ask any player on a third line scoring 14 goals that's a pretty damn good year Mm-hmm. Whatever was saying, well, look, your production fell off after playing with Danny and Hank. Look what they did afterwards. And I was like, mm, that's not right. Yeah, that's But not- Danny and Hank then go ahead and their numbers get retired and the media in Vancouver are all over me for participating. They want, they want me to be a part of it. And I was unavailable. My dad was having health issues at the time. I had family stuff I had to take care of. And they're saying, well, Carter's bitter, Carter's this, this, this. But then they put out this article in the Players' Tribune that says, we would be nothing without Carter. <laughs> Then media is like, oh, we want you to comment, we want you to comment. Well, what do you want to comment on? Like when it's appropriate for you, 
No, that's not how this works. Like, want me to say, yes, Massa? Yes, Massa, I'm going to do whatever you want to do, Massa. Yes, Massa. No, that's not how this works. It's just not. I'm sorry. Like I said what I said before, Danny and Hank is acknowledging it. So now you guys want me to comment on what they're saying after all these years you're saying, Carter, you're wrong. Not happening. Man, uh, I, I'm so sorry. That is that is just so frustrating to deal with. Um, and, I mean, you mentioned uh, we have to go to break, but I do want to know – you know, you were traded for so many, you were tra in so many trades for really big name players. And I know you've mm -hmm. said, well, then why didn't, why didn't these general managers sign me? If you have, if you had all these general managers in the league in a room right now, and we want to see the next Anson Carter in the NHL, what would you say to them? I don't think I have to say anything to them. I, I think people get it now. Like you're seeing all these players like Quinton Byfield, Black hockey players, uh, I think he's rated second overall. Like, he can be the next of Genny Malkin. Now, you have all these black players at the high level playing in the National Hockey League, like Wayne Simmons is in my video, NHL All-Star Game MVP, P.K. Subban, Norse Trophy winner, Seth Jones, potential Norse Trophy candidate, um, Evander Kane, a 30-goal scorer. I mean, you could go on and on. Ryan Reeves, he's not a big-time scorer, but he makes a huge impact um, on the Vegas Golden Knights. Devontae Smith-Pelly scored huge goals for the Washington Capitals in the playoffs for them going their first Stanley Cup victory. So I don't think I have to say anything to these guys. I, I think people, honestly, Julie, they get it now. And you have to evolve, and people evolve. So, And I'm not even bitter about it. Like, that's why I would have these conversations with these guys, because I wouldn't be in the game of hockey today after going through what I went through as a minor hockey player, dealing with some of the stuff, uh, contract negotiations, when I played as an NHL player, and now I'm in the television business. Like, if I was that bitter and upset, I would say, to heck with this. I don't want anything to do with this. But it's hockey's in a great place. Like, that's part of why I'm here today. Like, hockey's in a great place right now. Can we be better? Absolutely. We're always evolving. I want, like, today we're better than we were back in 92. Well, I want, to say, 2032 to be better than we are today. That's what this is all about. Mm -hmm. And I believe it. I can see it in your eyes. You are you are happy. You are excited about what the potential could be for the future, which is a really great place to be. Uh, we got to take a break, but we'll have a whole lot more with Anson Carter. Stay tuned. Drinks with thanks. To show you how easy it is to file a claim with GEICO, we hired a soap opera star. Gracious me, my car has storm damage and I've had to file a claim. Could it possibly get worse? Will my claims team leave me for someone else? Someone less intense? Um, no. Actually, when you file a claim with GEICO, you get your own dedicated claims team who promises to stay with you throughout the process. Oh, I've never known such loyalty. I can't wait for the second season. Geico. Great service without all the drama. Hey guys, welcome back to Drinks with Binks. We have Anson Carter here, former NHL hockey player, analyst with NBC Sports and MSG Networks. We've had a, a very empowering, enlightening conversation about racism in hockey, what we can do to try to change just even behaviors between people, how to get more black kids involved with hockey. And just as a note, Anson, even my mom, she works with kids in Lawrence Heights in Toronto uh, as like a tutor for them. And she's been trying to figure out like, how can I take, like she wants to, you know, sponsor 
um, black children to be able to play hockey more and like take them to the games and like trying to figure out. So I know that there's a lot of people that want to help out and try to figure out, especially those socioeconomic barriers that you mentioned based on systemic racism that has been around forever. So uh, I'll have to have a conversation with you after that. And, and we'll try to put out information as how, you know, even just everyday folks can figure out how they can lend a hand to to make change. Um, that being said, there's a lot going on in the world right now, and be remiss not to discuss coronavirus. That is, you and I have talked about this over Instagram. Um, the NHL is returning to play. They have uh, a plan in place, at least for the moment. How comfortable would you feel returning to play if you were an NHL hockey player right now? I'd feel very comfortable. I really believe, and I'd have faith in the union, and I'd have faith in the league, too, to do the right thing. Like you're talking about professional sports and all the concussion lawsuits I've had with these different organizations with, with that to deal with. So I don't think leagues have put themselves at risk for any sort of litigation with guys catching coronavirus. And they've thought about every single thing leading up to this point. It's not, I mean, listen, it's all about making money, right? And it's a business, it's the business of hockey. But I really don't believe hockey or any other sport for that matter would come back without thinking about all these risks and taking all those risks into consideration before going back and saying, okay, we're going to go back and play the game of hockey. So I feel very comfortable uh, knowing that we've got great leadership on our side from the Players Association. And also be very comfortable the league will know exactly what they're doing too. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, especially as we don't know how this virus is going to project right now with different states going up uh, while states are reopening. I'd be curious to see sort of what the hub cities are that mm -hmm. end up being. What What's your, your gut feeling on where maybe the East and West? We're taping this on a Wednesday, but it will air Friday. What do you think will happen? I really don't know. <laughs> I'm with you just from the standpoint where I'm kind of paying attention, but I'm not really paying attention because – it's such a fluid thing and it could change every single day. And there's so much, all this misinformation out there. You don't really know a lot of speculation out there that I'm not listening to all the noise. When I finally hear a definitive answer from the league and they say, okay, this is where the games will be played. That's when I'm going to start paying attention. But right now it changes so much like the virus too. It's spiking in different places. It's not spiking in some places. So maybe one location that might've been up for consideration, maybe a spike happens. And that location is no longer for consideration again. So I'm really not so much focused on where it's going to be. I'm more focused on the teams that are in and the fact that hockey will be back. And they'll have like a 2014 plane, which will be very exciting. Yeah, it'd be very exciting. And you have to, to wonder how much the NHL and Gary Bettman wanted to come back at least soon like of course we're looking at the health concerns behind this but we've also seen you know epl's on right now bundesliga all these sports that have record numbers how cognizant of the nhl is that that they could grow a whole new fan base right now well they're very aware people are starving for sports they're looking for any sort of competition uh that they could find i remember i was watching i think the hot dog eating competition again <laughs> a rerun from last year which is crazy, but you just want any sort of competition whatsoever to help take your mind off of things because that's what drives people. Like even from the back of the days of the Roman cathedrals when you'd have all these massive events where people are hand-to-hand -hand combat, like that's a big part of society. People want to see competition. They want to see people compete. So it doesn't matter what sport it is. I think people will be tuning. You'll get great numbers on television, and hockey is no different. I think people will tune in that they're knowing that there's a play-in, which is something that we haven't done before, and then you've got these big market teams like Chicago and New York that 
under the old system, they might not have qualified for the NHL playoffs, but now they get a chance to play in. That's even more eyeballs that'll tune into hockey coming back. So I think it's great for the game. Yeah, we know the NHL playoffs. There's nothing like it. It's such an exciting time, and this year will be different. And the fact that these players have had such a long layoff, which I want to discuss with you when we return on Drinks with Thanks with Anson Carter. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back to Drinks with Binks. We've got Anson Carter here. So many things I want to talk to you about. We don't have a whole lot of time. Guys coming back to play when the NHL returns. This is, as Gary Bettman said, the longest layoff a lot of hockey players have had. In what way will that influence what we end up seeing on the ice? It's going to be helter-skelter, Julie. You're going to see teams struggle to defend. I mean, it's going to be October, November hockey. The first part of the regular season, nobody plays defense. Everyone's playing defense. There's no D involved. And the team that can find their defensive structure the fastest will be the team that's going to have the most success, I think. So then if you're in Vegas, um, you know, who, who would you be putting your money on? Because it's kind of all over the place. Yeah, I know. It's, it's anybody's guess. I, I like the Pittsburgh Penguins uh, because they've got, they're healthy now. they got Sidney Crosby, one of the best players in the game. He always comes up big regardless. I like the Edmonton Oilers, uh, Leon Dreisaitl and Connor McDavid, dynamic duo, and they're young. But also the Chicago Blackhawks. They've got a lot of veteran presence on that locker room, in that locker room. A lot of winning experience in that team. And all it takes to get hot for two months. You're not asking for guys to get hot for 82 games. Two months. And you never know. Put the Rangers in that bucket as well, too. Yeah, and you mentioned the Rangers. Um, How does this influence... Henrik Lundqvist's trajectory with the team because we were really curious how this three-headed goalie system was going. What do you think happens now with coronavirus in the picture? It comes down to who's the sharpest. You know, the guys in Europe were able to skate, so I'm sure Henrik has been on the ice. I'm not sure where Shosturkin's been or Georgiev, but if they're in Europe also and they're on the ice, this could be a battle because Henrik's competitive. Like, Shosturkin definitely took the net for him um, as the regular season went on, but I wouldn't count Hank out. A short sprint like this, he could put together a solid two months and stand on his head. So it's going to be interesting. And even Georgiev, too. He's a very, very strong net miner. So I wouldn't want to be Coach Quinn with the New York Rangers trying to decide who's going to be in net. No, or, um, you know, figuring out what to do with this contract after this year because everything's up in the air. Free agency is a whole other ballgame I want to talk to you about another time. But quickly, what would it be like to win the Stanley Cup under these circumstances? It'd be amazing. Like, I wouldn't put an asterisk be- beside it because – everyone's in the same boat. Everyone's overcoming this weird situation that we've never, ever encountered before. There's nobody in the league that's played through a pandemic before. So I think that'll make it even more challenging. Plus, everybody's healthy. A lot of guys that were banged up, that would have been banged up in April, they're healthy now in skating. So that makes it even tougher to win a championship. So I think it'd be a regular championship. I really do. Yeah, I mean, it is fascinating. Some guys before were saying, oh, this won't be as big of a deal. But when you factor in every other aspect, mentally and physically, we've had to go through with the pandemic, <laughs> it could even mean more in some circumstances, in some regards. Uh, we got to take a timeout. We'll be back with more of Anson Carter on Drinks of Thanks. Don't go anywhere. Hey, what's up, everybody? It's the Cooligans. Hello, I'm Christian. I'm Alexis. Okay, we are two stand-up comedians, and we host uh, the funniest soccer show you've ever seen. That's right. We love talking about soccer. We're wild. We're silly. We have no idea what we're doing, (laughs) but it's a fun ride. And we're on Fubo every Tuesday and Thursday at 8 p.m. That's right. Fubo Sports Network. Do it.
Hey everyone, Montel here. I need to check out my brand new podcast, Let's Be Blunt with Montel. We'll be having kind of conversations about cannabis, wellness, and everyday social issues impacting your everyday life. It's all about empowering you and giving you the information you need to make it through your daily life. There won't be any BS. There won't be any hidden agendas. Just honest, interesting conversations. So make sure you tune in to the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. It's all about a blunt conversation, and that's what we intend to have every day. Like what you're hearing? Check out Drinks with Binks on Fubo Sports Network every Friday night at 8 p.m. Stream it on the Fubo TV app, Roku, Samsung TV, and more. Oh, and don't forget, it's BYOB. Sorry, startup life. Hey guys, this has been an awesome episode of Drinks with Binks with former NHL hockey player Anson Carter discussing racism and what we can do to be better as a society and in hockey. Anson, what do you have going on next? Well, I think I've been moderating tons of uh, conversations. That's the one thing. But the one thing I want to leave people with is, you know, we're having all these difficult discussions and being a hockey player, the one thing I have people do and recommend is go out and look for the Willie documentary. Uh, the Willie documentary is not just a hockey movie. It's a social justice movie. And the content is very timely to what we're going through today in society. Great. Well, thank you so much. I know everyone is looking to listen and learn more about what they can do and, and just about what the problem is, because so many people who haven't had to deal with racism have been dismissive of it for years and can't do that anymore. It's just you, you shouldn't have been doing it, but you definitely can't now. It's right in front of you. And what else is in front of you is this show, Drinks with Binks. You can also see us on YouTube, um, at Fubo Sports, on Twitter, on Instagram, everywhere. Guys, we'll see you next time. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.